Uh, we are in the second week of a series that we've called Rooted, and this series comes out of one of my favorite passages of Scripture, one of my life verses, actually. Uh, it's in Jeremiah 17, so grab your Bibles, turn to Jeremiah 17, and uh, that's in the Old Testament. Uh, about a little more than halfway through your Bible, you'll find Jeremiah, so turn to Jeremiah 17, and while you're looking, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about where we were last week and, and recap, and I'll probably do this every week because there's some themes that come out of Jeremiah 17 that I want to uh, us to take hold of, and I'm also going to look at a passage in Ephesians that you don't need to look for, so if you just get to Jeremiah 17 while I'm giving you this background, uh, that would be great. So this passage is a passage about what it means to be blessed, and so the first uh, foundational truth that we covered last week that we need to make sure that we stay in it is to be blessed means to be completely satisfied in God regardless of circumstances, to be completely fully satisfied in God regardless of circumstances. Now, that doesn't mean that God cannot bless you with something that's material. God, sometimes God gives us things that are, that are blessings. There's no question about that. But what I want us to hold on to is in this particular passage, in this biblical context, blessing has nothing to do with stuff, okay? It's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being completely, fully satisfied in God regardless of circumstances. It's really this understanding of knowing and living into God's incredible, unceasing, overflowing love for you. And the longer I walk with people and the longer I try to walk out my own faith, the more convinced I am that, that our entire spiritual being hinges on this understanding of God's love. The more secure you are, and the fact that God loves you, the more equipped you are to navigate the trials of life, but also to celebrate the good times in life. Let me say that one more time, because this is a foundational truth that we need to hold on to. The more secure you are in the fact that God loves you, the more equipped you are to navigate the trials and celebrate the victories of your life. This knowing God's love was so important that when Paul prayed, the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians, he prayed these words. This is Ephesians 3, 17. Again, it'll come up on the screen. You don't need to look for it. So, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be rooted. There's that word that we put the whole series after, that you may be rooted or grounded or established in love that you may have the strength to comprehend with all of the saints, that just means with all of the believers, it's, it's all the people who have put their faith in Christ, that you would have the, the, to comprehend with all of the saints the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know what? The love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you could be filled with the fullness of God. That's what it means to be blessed to know more and more and more and more the love of God, the height, the width, the depth, the breadth, and to be filled with the fullness of Christ. Our being blessed is rooted in this understanding of God's love. So we call the series Rooted. And the question we gotta ask is, is what does it look like to have this, these kind of roots? And why is it important? Well, it's important because if you're gonna navigate into your one word that God gives you, you're gonna have to be Rooted. If you're going to be able to do, take the risks that God calls you to take and walk with God faithfully, you're going to have to be rooted and grounded in God's love. Life as a follower of Jesus is, is all about more and more increasingly comprehending the love of God. When you're in a place where you know God's love, the fact is you are far less likely to be offended. 
right? When you really know God's love, when I'm secure in who I am, when I'm secure in the love of God, what you think of me doesn't shape what I think of myself. Now, it still affects our relationship. How you feel about me may affect whether or not we can navigate a, a friendship or that we can figure out how to, to walk in, 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 in any kind of um, um, closeness. So, so what you think of me matters, but what you think of me doesn't shape who I am. When I'm secure in my faith, when I'm secure in who I am, then who I am is who I am. And what you think of me doesn't really matter. But is that really the case for most of us? No, what people think of us has all kinds of shaping influence on what we think of ourselves. So, so our journey is to get more and more secure in who we are in Christ. The fact is, any of us, if, if you are bumping into one another, whether it's in your workplace or in your marriage or with your kids or in a friendship, anytime you are bumping into one another and there's a lot of agitation, it's usually because you are bumping into some kind of insecurity or fear, right? And so, and so it creates this, uh, this agitation for me. So we often say if you, if, you, if you do something and you get the $100 response to a $5 offense, you've bumped into something. You've bumped into a fear or an insecurity, right? Or if you've ever laid in bed and had the imaginary conversation when I see that person, I'm going to tell them this, and, and then when they say that, I'm going to tell them this, and, I, when we're going to, and I'm going to get to this, and you even say to yourself, oh, for the love of Pete, would you just stop thinking about it, and then you spend the rest of the night thinking about it? Yeah, do you ever have those nights? Well, I'm just here to tell you, those are rooted in insecurities and fear, because if you're secure and you know where you are in Christ and, you, and you're okay, then you can sort of give that to God, and you can say, it's okay, everything, but that, those are all rooted in our fears, but the scriptures tell us what? It tells us perfect love casts out all fear. So when we begin to sink into and understand the, the incredible, over, just arching love of God in our lives, suddenly we can walk with more confidence. We can sleep at night and not have those imaginary conversations. So the Apostle Paul knows this, and so he prays this over his church, and then he says, I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. It surpasses everything. Nothing is more critical to your journey as a follower of God than to know and to be secure in the love of God. So that's the first foundational truth we covered. The second foundational truth is if you know God and you love God, then you need to also trust God. I used it a couple times last week, uh, the scene from Aladdin, and I wished I'd have showed it to you last week, and I didn't, but I'm gonna show it to you this week. And the reason I wanna show it to you is because I think it is a, an image to hold on to of what God is inviting us into. So let's show this quick scene from Aladdin. How are you doing that? It's a magic carpet. It's lovely. You, uh, you don't wanna go for a ride, do you? We could get out of the palace, see the world. Is it safe? Sure, do you trust me? What? Do you trust me? Yes. Cute. The reason I love the imagery is really that one scene where really most of what you can see is Aladdin's hand and you just hear the words, do you trust me? And I just, I think that's an image for us in 2019, that God is reaching out his hand and he's just saying, do you trust me? Now here's the deal. I said it last week and I'll say it again. It takes, 
it, it requires that you give up control. It requires that you be willing to take a risk. It requires that you take his hand and you step into the unknown. And the truth is we like to be in control. We like the known. We like all of those things. So there's this, this beautiful picture of, I just want you to hang on to as we go through the series, really as we go through the coming year, that God is inviting you into something incredible. He's reaching out and saying, do you want to go on an adventure? Do you trust me? Right? So just hold on to that as we go through this series. Okay? God is reaching out his hand. All right. With all that, I'm going to read verses 7 and 8 again from Jeremiah 17. It says, blessed is the man. Man, again, isn't a gender thing. It's a human thing. Blessed is the human who trusts in the Lord, who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. We are blessed, right? And we know what blessed means when we are secure in God's love, when we trust him, when we trust and accept his incredible invitations, right? That's what the first part of that is saying, that we are blessed when we trust God and we walk with God. And then it's painting this beautiful portrait of what our lives will look like when that happens. It says in verse eight, when you, you're gonna be like a tree. If you do this, you're gonna be like a tree that first sends out its, fruits, its roots by the stream. It doesn't fear when the heat comes. Its leaves remain green. It doesn't, those leaves don't wither, they don't fall off. It's not anxious in the year of drought, and it does not cease to bear fruit. Now, next week, we're going to spend most of our time talking about what does it mean to bear fruit? What does that really mean in our lives? But for today, I want to stay with this portrait that he's painting, this portrait of what he calls prosperity. And if we're going to talk about prosperity, then I have to stop for a second and talk about what prosperity isn't. Because the word has been hijacked by American Christianity and there's something out there called the prosperity gospel. And when you hear prosperity, you probably, for most of us, think about material things. We think about a better life or we think about physical health. There's all kinds of ways that we talk about if I just do the right thing with God, if I live at this, this prosperity gospel is in your DNA, you think that if I do all the right things with God, I'm going to be wealthy healthy, happy, all of my kids are gonna come home every night and sing Kumbaya with me. It's just gonna be glorious, it's gonna be perfect, everything's gonna be good. We all have this image that's been implanted in our minds of what it means to live out with God and then to prosper. But the problem is, if that's really what we believe, then when the difficult season comes, we have a crisis of faith. So what happens is we either reject God because he didn't hold up his end of the bargain. Look, God, I've done all the things you told me to do. I read my Bible every day. I pray all the time. I accepted Jesus into my heart. And and now I have this diagnosis. You're not holding up your end of the bargain. Or you become self-deprecating and you beat yourself up because you say, well, I must not have prayed it the right way. I must not have done it the right way. I must not have read my Bible enough. And so you go on this treadmill of doing more for God and you forget that that that's not the prosperity gospel. When he talks about prospering, you have to take it all the way back to where we started. No, to prosper is to know the love of God, is to grow in an ever understanding of who God is and what God is doing in your life. It's this beautiful picture of knowing God more. What did Jesus say to his followers? He said, in this world, you're gonna have some trouble. That doesn't sound like the prosperity gospel. But he also said, but don't be afraid that I've overcome the world, Right? So we have this journey that we're on, right? People, we're, we're all gonna go through difficult seasons. People are gonna get sick. Businesses are gonna fail. 
We are gonna, natural disaster is gonna happen. Faithful followers of Jesus are being martyred as we speak. Not because they didn't do their faith the right way, because this is just how it is. And I'm not saying all this to depress you. I'm not saying all this to be the big heavy. I'm saying it because I want you to be prepared. So if you look at verse eight, what does it say? It says, when the heat comes, I want you to be prepared when the heat comes. It's worth noting that it doesn't say if the heat comes. It says when the heat comes. And the crazy thing is this. When it comes to trees, Without the heat, the roots never go deep. Without the heat, the roots never go deep. One of my favorite tracts of land, and maybe in the whole world, I haven't been on all the tracts of land in the world, but for me, uh, is a little farm um, in southern uh, Michigan where I've been hunting since I was about 19 years old. And uh, on this particular farm, there is a woods uh, that I love. And as you uh, get to this woods, you go across a, a crop field. Usually it's either corn or, corn or soybeans. And before you go into the woods, you have to cross this, what we would call a creek where I come from. You might call it a creek. Uh, but you go across the creek and you come into the woods. And the whole woods is just hardwoods. It's uh, oaks and mostly shagbark hickory. Uh, large, mature tree, so mature, in fact, that the canopy is blocked out the sun, so there's almost no undergrowth at all, and you can see from one end of the woods to the other, it's just spectacular, it's beautiful. The, you know, the leaves have been falling on the ground for years, and there's just this blanket of color and big, healthy trees, it's beautiful. And as you come into the woods, the, the, the woods kind of rises up to a, uh, onto a, a, a hill, and as you crest the hill and begin to come down the backside of the hill, uh, there's a lowland, and, and the, all the same trees exist in the lowland. There's oaks, there's shagbark hickory in the lowland. Behind the lowland is some grassy swamp, and behind that is a lake. And if you're up on the hill, you can see across all of that. And so this year, when I went there and I was going back to hunt in the back of those woods, and as I crested the hill, I was so shocked because down in that lower area where all those other trees were, Probably 80% of the trees had all blown over. They were all leaning the same way with the big root ball sticking up. You've seen when a tree falls and the roots come up and it was just one tree after another and you couldn't even really see through it anymore because it had made such a mess. But all those trees were knocked over. And I just stood there thinking to myself, wow, what, a, what an amazing windstorm that must have been. But if you think about it, the trees that I, on that hill where I was standing were actually and more wind than the trees in the valley. They were actually subject to more wind. So what was the difference? The difference was the trees in the woods had to send their roots deep in order to get to water. They had to. It was the only way they were alive. So when the heat came, they would send their roots deeper and deeper and deeper. And the same storm came and hit both of those areas, but none of the trees, not one tree in the woods was knocked over. And 80% of the trees in that valley, in that lowland, I, I wanted to say in here, the trees in the valley didn't think they needed to send deep roots, but I'm not sure trees think. So there's a little bit of a problem with that picture, but that's the best way I can say it. They didn't feel the need to send their roots deep because it was swampy, it was lowland. It was, and when you, those root balls were blown up, the roots were probably a foot to two feet deep and all of them just came right up, right? So you get the image. When it comes to trees, right, it's heat is necessary for the roots to go deep. Verse eight says, he's like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots. And what I want you to see there is you are not passive in this process. The tree is not passive. It sends out 
its roots. So we have to ask the question, if, if we are able to be like a tree, then, then what does it mean to send out our roots? And it comes back to where we started. It comes back to trust. Trust is that area of your life where, where your, your character and who you are is going to be forged, right? Trust is forged in the difficult seasons when, when you have to reach out and take God's hand. So the best way I know to explain this is take you back to probably one of the most familiar stories in Scripture, and that's the Exodus story. You know, Charlton Heston, Ten Commandments, that whole story. So just to remind you, uh, Israelites have been in slavery for 400 years, more than 400 years, right? God raises up a leader in Moses. Just so you know, Moses has to go to the desert to have his character forged. His roots go deep in the heat. That's the whole idea of Moses having that time away, right? And Moses comes back, and then we have all the plagues. You remember this story? And the final plague is the death of the firstborn. And it's so traumatic that all the you know, Egyptians lose their firstborn sons that they throw up their hands, they give up. They say, leave, leave our sight, get away from us. Here, take our, our wealth with you. Uh, more than a million people is estimated were part of that exodus, and they leave with, with the wealth. And then, remember the story, they get to the Red Sea. By now, Pharaoh's changed his mind. He's sending his army to take them back, to captain, take them captive. The Red Sea parts, they go across. Red Sea closes in on the army. Voila, Pharaoh's army's wiped out. They're on the other side, and they're free. The fastest you've ever heard that story, right? You know the story I'm talking about, right? But I needed you to get to this point because now, guess what? They've gone from, from slavery and oppression to freedom, and they have this thing called the promised land, but there's something between the two. It's called the wilderness. Like, was God being sadistic here? Was God like, hey, I, I, you know, I just, I just want to make it as hard on you as possible? No, he was trying to teach them something. He was saying, look, we're going to walk through the wilderness because I want you to learn to trust me. I want you to see that I'm your provider. I want you to know that, that I got you. So he reaches out his hand and he says, we're going to go on an adventure. We're going to go to the promised land, but it's going to be hard. But if you trust me, you're going to learn more about me in this season than you could ever learn in the promised land, right? Without the heat, the roots never go deep. So I was thinking about this passage when I, when I was putting it together and I started thinking about a passage of scripture that we throw out there all the time. Um, for some reason, it almost seems like we throw it out as a joke, right? But it's James 1, 2, and 3. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. Like I find myself saying, <laughs> count it all joy. Yeah, right. Uh, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you eat trials of various kinds. Look at verse 3. It says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith produces deep roots. The testing of your faith produces the foundation you need to walk with God faithfully when the difficult seasons come. This whole passage hinges on the opening phrase, it's our attitude that determines our foundation. It's our willingness to take that walk with God, to take his hand and accept the invitation and walk faithfully with him even through the desert seasons. So if you were to go back to the Exodus story, the, the overarching story, the, the, the storyline or the thread that runs through this, and it really runs through the entire Bible, is if you don't trust God in the hard times, you will never Trust God in the good times. If you don't trust God in the hard times, you will never trust God in the good times. You will be like the trees in that valley that when the wind comes, you will topple. I had in my notes, I didn't say this in the first service, but 
but you need to be leery of entrusting yourself to somebody who's never been through a difficult season. Because when the difficult season comes, you have no idea if they have the foundation or the roots to stand, and they may just blow over. John 12, these are the words of Jesus. He says, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it bears much fruit. Look at what Jesus says in there. He says, unless it falls into the earth. There is this picture of being covered. There is a picture of being weighted down. How many of you feel weighted down by life circumstances? How many of you feel like enough has happened that you are under a blanket of something and you feel that oppression? And how different would it be if we said to ourselves, oh, God is planting me so that I can grow roots and I can grow into a tree. God plants seeds. He doesn't plant trees and he's planting me and he's growing me. And suddenly we can navigate through the difficult season and grow our roots deep and receive all that God has for us. God is using all of these trials and difficult situations in our life to transform us from seeds to trees. You're being planted in adversity so that you can bear fruit in every season. And the truth is, we have to learn to die to our own self, our our own desires, if we really want all that God has for us. We have a choice. We can be God-reliant, we can take his hand and and go on the adventure, or we can become self-reliant. It's critical that we understand this, church. We often, and I'm saying we, including myself, I do this all the time, we want to take the shortcut. We feel the the tension, we feel the pain, we just wanna be on the other side of it. So we'll do anything we can to short circuit, to move through it, to get to the other side. And sometimes what we're doing is we're going around what God would have for us. We have all kinds of way of, of, of short circuiting what God is doing. I'm gonna just give you three, but there's more than this. One of the ways we do it is we walk away. We have a trial, we have a difficult situation and we just quit. I see it in marriages. Your marriage is hard. Guess what? It's the best thing that you could ever do is to lean into that and to learn from each other and grow through it. On the other side, you are gonna be better people. Or you can say, it's too hard, I'm out. Right, we do it with church. Look, i just give you a clue. We are going to offend you. I am going to offend you and if I don't, Somebody else will. I guarantee it. It's just the way it works. You're with people. We're, we, we just, we're just a bunch of ding-dongs trying to figure out how to walk with Jesus, and someone is going to offend you. Now, you have a choice. You can say, I'm going to stay in the mix. I'm going to figure that out, and we're going we're gonna to figure out how to walk through that, and we're going to come out on the other side. Or you can say, I quit. And guess what? There's a 1,000 churches for you to choose from. And you can just run from church to church. Or you can stay in the mix and you can learn from each other. And maybe what God is calling you to stay in the mix with me because I offended you so that I can grow because that's what it means for iron to sharpen iron. Right? So sometimes we quit. Sometimes we just disengage. We just, we're physically there, but we're mentally gone. We pout. Right? We just, well, fine, I'm just going to stay, but I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. I see this in marriages too all the time. I see it in friendships. We just totally, you know, whatever, I'm just not going to do. But we're still not engaged in the process of growing and learning. And then the third thing, and I think we do this probably more than we even realize, is we self-medicate. We find something that is a pacifier to get us through the pain. Right? It could be food. 
It could be alcohol, it could be a drug, it could be pornography, it could be an uh, inappropriate relationship, it could be all kinds of things. Here's the crazy thing. Many of the things that we use to medicate are gifts from God. So food is a gift from God. It could be working out. If, if it's an obsession for you and you can't function because you're just using it as a way of dulling your mind, it could be TV. If, if you watch that one series for 277 episodes in a row and you're just doing it because you don't want to think of anything, yeah, we all know what I'm talking about. The whole idea there is, is it a crutch? Is it something I'm leaning into instead of leaning into what God is trying to walk through with me, right? So we have all these ways of short-circuiting what God is doing in our lives. I want to show you uh, that God knew this, and so in this, this chapter that we're studying of Jeremiah 17 and verse 9, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things, that's pretty darn deceitful just for the record. It's desperately sick, who can understand it? But then it says in verse 10, the Lord searches the heart, he tests the mind, he gives to every man according to a ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. What I want you to hear is your heart can deceive you. Your heart can tell you it's okay when it's not okay and the only way you're gonna navigate everything I'm talking about is by inviting the spirit of God in and saying, God, show me where I'm missing it. That's why the psalmist prayed, search me, know me. See if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's anything I do that offends you. Lead me in the way everlasting. If you're not relying on God to show you these things, then you're likely to be deceived. How do I know that? Because God said it, your heart is deceitful. My heart is deceitful above all things. The prayer is, Lord, I know that I'm able to deceive myself, but I know I can't deceive you. Search me, know me, show me how to walk faithfully with you. This is, I think, the bravest prayer you can ever pray. When you ask God to search you, to know you, and to reveal in you anything that offends him, I think he answers that prayer. And sometimes he answers it, it's hard. It's hard to hear. Sometimes he's gonna answer it by taking you through some heat. And as you go through that heat, he's refining you and he's showing you and, and who wants to willingly, but what I'm telling you is God is reaching out his hand and he's saying, look, I have the greatest adventure you can ever go on. Would you take my hand? Would you trust me? I have a good friend. A lot of you know him. He was on staff here for a long time. His name is Scott Shaw, but he, also, he says this often. He says, people seldom grow apart from difficulty. So if you're asking God to grow you, don't be surprised if he leads you into some difficulties. But don't short circuit the difficulties. Take his hand and walk through it with him and learn what he has for you. So what I wanna do is I just wanna ask you some questions and I want you to answer them honestly. Here are the questions as if God is asking you directly. The first question is this, are you willing to surrender to the process of transformation? Are you willing to surrender your life to the process of transformation? Are you willing to stay engaged in difficult relationships? Are you willing to avoid self-medicating? Are you drawing life from any source other than God? 
Are you depending on something else to get through when you know you should be depending on God? Are you willing to be the seed that falls into the ground and dies so that in turn it can be rooted and bear fruit in every season? I want to remind you that you can trust him. That picture of Aladdin, I just like it because it's, it's light, but it's just that picture of the hand. That God is saying, you can trust me. If you go back through the scriptures, and maybe some of you have enough Bible knowledge that you can just do this in your head, but think about every hero of the faith. Abraham, Moses, Joseph, Daniel, Peter, Paul. I could just keep naming them. Every one of them had to go through a season of trial, multiple seasons of trial, to shape their character into what God had for them. And I can guarantee you that any one of them were standing on the stage and you were to say to them, would you do it again, Joseph? What about that long-term prison sentence? He'd say, oh no, that's where God shaped me. That's where God made me who I am. Did I like it? No. But the character that I needed to lead the way I was called to lead was shaped in that prison cell. Every one of them would take the trials because of what came out on the other end because they accepted God's hand when he said, do you trust me? And they walked through it. He's inviting you and I to go deep so that we can bear fruit in every season and I want you to hear you can trust him. The movement of God in your life always starts with an invitation. Easy, just pray the prayer, search me, know me and take me on a journey of refinement so that my roots can go deep. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray as we continue to sink into Jeremiah 17 that your words would just penetrate our very soul, that we would be like trees. I just have this vision of a forest, like my favorite woods, but it's here at Grace Community Church, just tree after tree after tree, grown and mature, and when the winds come, and they're gonna come, we're not a church that blows over. That we are strong in our faith and that we can navigate everything that you've put in front of us, that our families would be secure and strong. Lord, I just pray that we would be a people that go deep with you. We would be interconnected, helping each other to grow. We would love well. Lord, thank you that you are so good, that you just continue to invite us to more of you. Greatest desire is just to show us how much you love us, so much that you sent your son to die on the cross. Prove to us that you love us and you want to be reconciled to us. Help us to walk in that truth. In his name, amen. So uh, we prayed for you, we love you, we want you to know uh, one of the things that the group heard this morning as they prayed for you uh, was that there's someone who knows they need to come down and be prayed for, but they're afraid. And my uh, encouragement to you is don't be afraid. The people down here are good people, they're nice people, and they would love to pray with you and for you. 
Uh, we also heard that there's somebody struggling with an elbow issue. We'd love to pray over you for that and ask God for healing. But if you have a physical or a spiritual need, we have an incredibly gifted team that would love to pray for you. As you leave today, they're gonna give you one of these bags. Uh, this is what we use to stock our food pantry. The food pantry serves anywhere from 50 to 80 families every time they're open. Uh, and the primary way we stock the shelves is through your donations. So I would encourage you to fill a bag or four and bring them back next week. And um, let's just overwhelm them with so many groceries uh, that people can come and they can get what they need. If you are part of uh, the people who are not getting a paycheck through the government shutdown and the gift card will help you, just come down and see me afterwards. God bless you. We love you. Have a great Sunday afternoon.